This morning, my text is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, if you'd go there with me, please. And I want to focus on verse 13 for a moment. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, where Peter is speaking to this group, and I'll give you a little bit of historical background because the context is important. Remember, please remember, if nothing else, that the context always determines the interpretation. If you take it out of context, then you've done it an injustice and usually go down a wrong path. But Peter is writing, and I'll pick it up in chapter 1 and verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end, for the grace to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you this morning wanting to know more about Peter, about this passage, and about the people in whom he references. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Historically, Peter is writing to uh, people that are dispersed, Christians that are dispersed and scattered throughout Asia. He mentions them, of course, in verse 1. They are in the eastern Turkey side of Asia. Now, these people were dispersed, they were suffering, they were scattered, and what, they, what happened is they were under attack by Orthodox Jews. You realize, of course, the Orthodox Jews turned on the Lord Jesus, they turned on Paul, they just turned on the disciples, and then they turned on anyone who believed the word of God. And that was just a sample of what was going on. But more specifically, and more severely, they were fighting against Rome. Whatever fight they could put up, Rome uh, was rounding up Christians for torture, execution, and worse. Well, how could it get worse than that? Well, if you ever read through some of the history surrounding this, it's just absolutely amazing what was going on uh, in that a despot named Caesar Nero, Nero, a vile, vile man, a satanically possessed, depraved despot. I, I couldn't say it any worse than that. Just a disgusting individual, and he was rounding up Christian for all kinds of vile, vile tortures, and we don't need to go into it. Now, Peter's whole letter to these people, remember, they're scattered. They've lost everything, businesses, professions, families, Everything is gone. Everything is gone. And Peter writes them with comfort and, and assurance. Comfort and assurance. It's absolutely amazing uh, as he writes to them. Now, why is that? Well, because of what's going on. You know, today, if I tried to comfort you, you say, well, wait a minute. We are under severe, severe problems. As Peter is writing to them, he wants to secure them. He wants to encourage them. They are not only going through mental anguish. I hear that by Christians today. It's, it's amazing to me. I, I have mental anguish. What is it? We don't have enough toilet paper. You know, people are shocked by just a little thing. These people were under mental anguish, physical anguish, and mental anguish about families. They were in a desperate strait. And Peter writes to them and gives them a letter of comfort and assurance. Comfort and assurance in the time of great, great agony. And that's when he says, I want you to gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what does that mean? Well, you recall, the, or you would know that in the Middle East, particularly back in the first century, men and women both long, wore long garments. And those garments, uh, we would call it a long dress. It was not a long dress. It was a tunic. Uh, that covered the head and a garment that covered from the sun of the Middle East. 
brutal. I've been there in the summer. It's brutal. That sun just kind of burns through you. And this garment kept them warm. The trouble is it could hinder their walk. It could hinder their steps. They could trip on it. And so the term to gird up the loins meant to take that garment and tie it up so it would not get in the way of falling, would not get in the way of uh, tripping someone up. So this, this would, to gird up the loins means a preparation, a readiness for whatever's coming, a preparation for action to get going. And as Peter is writing this to these believers, he's just trying to encourage them to be prepared. Now, for Christians, we ought always to be prepared. There are things in our life that can trip us up. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews, if you'd just go with me there, just very quickly to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. You're very familiar with this passage. I know that. Um, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, Paul is speaking. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is speaking. Uh, we're not sure if it's Paul. But notice he says, wherefore, or therefore, in the context, therefore, because of everything that we have just read and heard and the Lord has spoken to us about, therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, just like the Old Testament believers, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so, does so easily beset us or trip us up, hinder us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind prepared. But, but Peter, in the midst of suffering, yes, in the midst of suffering, you have to have a prepared mind. Now go back with me. and Let's look at this context just a little bit. Doug read. I'm reading from a King James Bible, a Christian Bible. I'm reading from the King James Bible, and we read here, Peter is talking to the believers in verse 2. He says, they are elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, uh, and knows through sanctification of the Spirit unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. He's letting these uh, Orthodox uh, Christians know, these believers in the Lord Jesus Christ know, that everything, though everything has been taken from them, they can be assured that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is with them and giving them the strength needed. And be, well, how is that? How do we know that? Because they have been obedient unto the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, that washing of water by the word of God. They have believed the word of God, and now they need to continue believing. They're assured by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 3, see that? <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, your foundation, my foundation, no matter what the situation, must be based upon the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to be based upon that. If your faith is not based upon that, you are not a believer. You're not saved. You're not going to heaven. When you die, you'll go directly to hell without passing go. That's it. The minute you close your eyes upon uh, this earth, you will enter the kingdom of darkness forever. And might I add, it's called blackness of darkness on fire. We do not understand that. We cannot even comprehend that. Fire or burning without light beyond us. Terrible, terrible situation. But by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal hope in him. Why? Because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. 
It's so beautiful, and I won't have you turn it, but in Romans 4, in verse 25, Christ who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. He's our living hope. He was delivered, died on Calvary's cross for our sin, and raised again for our justification. Because of that, because of that, we can have full confidence in him. Listen to this. In his death, he conquered sin. In his resurrection, he conquered death. Isn't that beautiful? I wish, write it down, give me credit for it. But I read it somewhere. Notice, in his death, he conquered sin. In his resurrection, he conquered death. We need not fear. We need not fear what men can do unto us. We need not fear anything that goes on in this life. Why? He died for my sin. And that same promise, he's going to take me to glory. He promised that. He promised that. Notice in verses 4 and 5. To an inheritance uncorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Not only uh, do I need not worry about this day and, and what's going on round about me, I need not worry about reward. These Christians lost everything, everything, everything in a single swoop. If you can imagine that. Chased away from your home and your family. Many of them just with the clothes they had on their back. And, and they're in a different land with different people at different times. It's incredible. And yet, they have a reward in heaven. And it's kept by the power of God. You say, well, you know, the social, my social security is pretty, uh, pretty fixed, you know. Oh, really? Have you been reading things? <laughs> but, you know, well, our future is good. Oh, really? Have you been reading things? Have you seen? Do you know what's going on? No, I don't mean to scare you. All I'm saying is, even though all that leaves us, we have an inheritance in glory. We have an inheritance with him. We're not looking for, you know, uh, for uh, some utopia here on earth. Why? Because that's not our life. Our life is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we'll also appear with him in glory. That's all that matters at the end of it all. Now, I want to live a good life. You know, I, I want to have extra stuff around the house so that we can eat and keep on going. I want that. I'll even take some more stimulus money even though they're going to get it back sooner or later, somehow. I know that. But, uh, you know, I, I love to live. I, I love to be with my wife. We've been together. This is, we're going on uh, 70 years old, our 50th anniversary this year. I, I, I love being here. But listen, if all this is removed, if all of it's gone, will you still have the same faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? You better. You better. So he lets them know, it's, even though it's all gone, it's all kept through the power of God and glory. Don't, don't get all concerned about it. Verses 8 and 9, he says, I know that you, are, you have faith unto salvation. I know that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that you're going through terrible things. And your faith is strong. And realize this in verse 9, that you will receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Isn't that great? That's good news. No matter what happens, I'm secure in Christ. I'm, I'm going to glory with him. Why? Because I've trusted him as my savior. That, that's a wonderful, wonderful promise from the word of God. Now in verses 11 and 12, he gives us a hint of something so very interesting. He says the Old Testament prophets, the writers of the Old Testament, 
and you can go down through the list. They wrote about Christ, and they really didn't completely understand everything they were reading or writing. They didn't completely understand. Now, that's so interesting because Christ was in them when they were writing it. He was in them when they were writing it. And then he says this, they were revealing the truth in verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister. They were writing the whole program of God, all God, who he is and his purposes, all the Old Testament writers were writing all that business for us to look and cling on to, for us to recognize and realize who God is and his purposes. The church, through the work of the Holy Spirit, believed Messiah, and it was in fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets who wrote. And God saved them, if you would, on credit. God saved them by his mercy and his grace. Why? Because they believed God's word. And so today, that word comes down to you and I. Now, Peter's saying in verses 13 and following, he says, Wherefore, or therefore, because verses 1 through 12 are true. Because verses 1 through 12 are true. And they are true. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind prepared. It's an interesting term here, the word mind. The word mind has to do with the understanding, the thoughts, the imaginations, everything to do with our with our thinking, with our focus, uh, gird up the loins of your mind. I want to show you a passage. Keep your hand here. We're coming right back. Head with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. What about the mind? What about your mind and, and my mind? Do you have a mind that wanders? I have an incredible hard time with a mind that wanders. I start to pray, and then something will, some little bubble will appear. And then before I know it, I'm not praying anymore. What's the matter with you, Bill? You've been praying for 45 years. What's the matter with you? What, what's going on? Our mind wanders, and now we have noises all around us. We have all kinds of uh, fiery darts firing at us. And so our mind needs to be a mind of concentration. And Matthew... Uh, I mean, the Lord Jesus tells us about that mind. Head with me to Matthew 22. Look at verses uh, 34 and following. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. By the way, the Pharisees were just a little bit happy that he put the Sadducees to silence. They didn't like each other. This is the Republican and Democratic Party who don't like each other. They just don't like They hate each other. And yet they'll gather together to put someone out of office, right? And that's what they're doing here. They hated, but they sent one of them in verse 35, and one of them who was a lawyer. This guy's the big time. This is Sokolov. This is, you know, this is, this is a big time lawyer. One of them who was a lawyer asked him a question saying unto him, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the Lord? Uh, of the law, I should say. In verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, the greatest command, but, but follow this now, please, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's what Peter was saying. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind ready. Not only intellectually, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus. No, no. You need to believe 
grab onto and hold on to the fact of who he is. He's talking to these believers who were in great, great turmoil. But the Spirit of God, using this down through the centuries, meant this directly to you and I. Every word of it is for us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man or woman of God might be solid on the word of God, fixed upon the word of God. This is for us, folks. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Be fixed upon it. That's our mind. That's the mind Peter wants us to have. Gird up the loins of your mind. It's a prepared mind. It's a ready mind. Paul encourages uh, his most trusted uh, spiritual partners. Head with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. What kind of mind should that be? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm interested in verses 3 and 4. Paul talks to both Timothy and Titus. These are his most trusted spiritual friends or teammates, if you would. And he says this to Timothy, notice, in verse 3. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He wants Timothy to have the mind of a soldier or a warrior. If you would, a Navy SEAL or a Delta guy. Or, or the Marines or an Army uh, Green Beret. He wants these men to have the mind of a soldier, a warrior. Now, who were these people? Well, they are the men and women of the armed services. They are the first responders. That's who this kind of mind. The mind of a first responder, it, you have to put yourself in it. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. But to put your mind, remember, these are the people that run toward the gunshot, not away. These are the people that run after the emergency. These are the people that run into the tragedy, into the fire. These are the first responders. And that's what Peter tells Timothy. You have that mind of a warrior. Only fix upon what God says, who God is in his word. You see that, if you would please, in verse 4. No man that warreth entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. It, it's a complete recognition, the call of duty, who they are. A mind fixed upon what God's word says, not upon the world. Head back with me to 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18. In the context, same business. Look at verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which pointed unto thee, that thou by them might war a good warfare. It's continual. The, these prophecies continually pointed to Timothy and that he was a chosen man of God to do the will of God through the word of God. And you keep on, he said, keep on having the mind of a warrior, that you war a good warfare. Make sure, Timothy, that your mind is fixed upon that. And so the Christian in the very same way, ought to prepare to answer the call. We, we live in desperate times. They're not first century times. Don't, please don't get yourself caught up in that. The Lord's coming back because we're suffering. You're doing nothing of the kind compared to first century Christians. 
Nothing of the kind. Yes, we have troubles. Yes, the, the, the dimness of what's going on, we recognize that. But there's nothing of the kind going on. We should be more prepared than anyone at any time to look at God's word and recognize who he is and his purposes. But Christians, are, we should be prepared to answer the call, shouldn't we? Prepared for what? When the Lord opens the door, you need to have a ready mind to tell people about Christ, to encourage other believers. I want to look at a couple passages quick, please. Uh, head with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. Now, there's so many passages on this. I, I have a bunch of them, but I will not even give you half of them because uh, you know this, and you need to keep it in remembrance, obviously. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and notice in verse 7. 1 Peter 4, 7. Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober-minded and watch unto prayer. The end of all things is at hand. He's writing to people who literally the end of all things was at hand. Who literally were going through suffering and torment and torture. Family members taken away and, and vile things done to these people. He said, therefore, because the, the end of all things is at hand, be sober-minded. Get your mind together. Don't be silly. Don't be foolish. Face the facts and head for the facts. Don't head for what the world says. Look, look at what Paul said about this. Head with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. When 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verses 2 and following, please. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. You see, when God's coming, you're not, it's not going to be the great announcement. I know that we're in the end times. No, you don't. You don't have a clue. You're thinking, you're guessing, and if you're like me, you're probably hoping. But you don't know. These people recognize what was coming on them. We see, we see in America dimly right now. But he said, for you yourselves know that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You don't know when he's going to come. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. It's like a lady having a baby. I've been through three of those. The husband has it much worse than the wife does. Much worse. One of our, our children um, came in about 15 minutes. It takes me an hour to wake up. Nancy said, uh-oh, I was on my feet scrambling like an animal, getting her to the hospital. I dropped off at the front door. I was going in, don't worry about it, but I dropped off at the front door because her labor pains were quick and constant. I parked the car, immediately ran in the door. The doctor grabbed me by the arm and we ran down and the baby was there. Incredible, incredible, incredible. He's saying, it comes upon like a travail on a woman. You don't know when it's coming. Exactly. Look at verse uh, 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a fault. You know, you need to wake up, God says. Huh? You need to wake up. This shouldn't overtake you. This shouldn't shock you or scare you. God talks about this in his word. All throughout the word of God, God's preparing us for the time that we're now in. And if, if we outlive this then, and uh, uh, don't outlive this, then the time that our children are going to be in. 
But our job right now is to stand for him and look through that darkness and recognize exactly what's going on. There should be no fear in Christians about the time we're in. There should be none. Why? God said this was going to happen. Oh, I know, but I have mental anguish. Stop. The only thing that will correct your mental anguish is the word of God. The word of God. Not a pill, not a bottle, not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, Christian or non-Christian. The only thing that will stop fear in you is the word of God. Now, they can, they can move the numbers. You know, they can tamper with it a little bit. But the only time they will be of a help to you is when they say something that's pertinent to the word of God. Other than that, other than that, people cannot help us, especially Christians. Only the word of God can do that. In, in our day, would you agree with me in our day, distractions are multiplied a hundredfold. Do you find that? I do. Especially social media. They're seeing to that. That is the agenda. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Anything that will take you from the word of God, Satan will use. How much time do you spend on your computer versus how much time you read the Bible? Just think about it for a second. You'll be ashamed. How much time do you watch TV or listen to the radio based upon the time that you read the word of God. Think about it. You'll be ashamed. I speak as one who knows. I know what it's like. I'm, I'm looking at this stuff on there and then I think, wait a minute. I spent 20 minutes looking at this stuff and haven't got into the word. It's frightening. It really is, isn't it? Not only that, Christians are making it worse. Huh. How could that be? Well, they, they say to one another, did you hear? Did you see? Have you read? They're not talking about the Bible, folks. They're talking about the trash that comes over the, the media stuff. It's incredible. Uh, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories, and we spend more time thinking about those things than we do the Word of God. Listen, God's got it covered. Don't worry about it. He knows, this may be a shock to you, he knows the end from the beginning. It, it didn't surprise God that Trump lost. He didn't know that it was stolen from him. He's not surprised that it was stolen from him. Whatever happened, you know what I mean? God knows completely everything that happened. God's going to use it all together for his glory no matter what happened. He's still in control. He's still sovereign. He's still over it all. Now think about this, please. Most of that stuff is probably satanic. Most of that stuff is probably satanic. Why? Because it distracts us from the word of God. It's a deception. It's a deception. And I'm interested in news. I listen to the news. You know, I like the news. Well, I like hearing about what's going on. I don't like the news anymore. I really don't. <laughs> and sometimes I'll listen to it, and sometimes I start getting a little hot. Sometimes I get upset. And I can hear the Lord Jesus saying to me, 
Bill, Bill, you are anxious and worried about many things. But one thing is needful. Huh? And Mary, she's chosen the greatest thing. And nothing will take it from her. What are you worried and anxious about? What do you spend your time with? Huh? It should be the word of God. The Lord Jesus also, of course, he wasn't talking to me in that, you know, passage, you know that, right? Talking to Martha and Mary. Okay, let's go on a little further now. He says this, which of you, by worry, can add one inch to your height? See, worry is something that the Lord knew would possess our mind, even conquering our mind. You know, folks, there's nothing new under the sun. Did you know that? What, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul tells Timothy, you're going to Ephesus. Great, great church, great people in it. They have a problem, though. They're declining. They're, and they continue to decline right to the end of John's writing. Right? They had left their first love. Uh, Paul is sending Timothy there. And he says, the one thing I want you to figure out, the one thing you need to concentrate on, of course, on the word of God was foremost, but second to that is this, verse 3. As I besought thee still to stay at Ephesus when I went to Macedonia, that you might charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables, endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Endless genealogy, fables, fables. Most of what we talk about in the news today, you don't have a clue what's going on. I don't have a clue what's going on. Well, the numbers don't lie. No, but liars use numbers. And we look around us and we see this guy says this and this woman says this and that guy says this, and they all use the same set of numbers to prove their points. Fables. Keep on going with me. Head with me to chapter 4. Look at verses 6 and 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Old wives' fables. Isn't that interesting? You know, you hear some of those stories. My grandmother used to make me cringe, she would say stuff. I'm five years old. When you die, you die like a dog and go in the ground. Oh! Oh, it used to drive me crazy. I hear people saying, not that, but things like that today. I hear people with rumors, and, and, and they got something that some person living in their mother's basement down in Florida or something saying, oh, did you know this? They don't even know that. But it comes on, on the uh, computer as if it's a fact. And Christians grab it and run with it. It's, it's frightening. It, it really is frightening today. Why? Because it's all around us, folks. We're immersed in it. Concentrate, concentrate. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. These things have been going on forever. It's just we're more immersed in them. We're swimming in the trash of the world. And God says, no, no. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Focus on where Christ is. Look at God's word and allow that to work in you. 
We're to have a spiritual mindset, a Bible mindset. Head with me to Colossians. I can't believe that clock has something wrong. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. I know it. Head with me to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3. You're very familiar with this passage. Pastor Rob mentions this regularly. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See that? It's settled. It's at home. It, 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 uh, it just, it's comfort. The other day, Nancy made me bacon and eggs. I thought bacon was gone from the earth for a while, but she made me bacon and eggs and toast with a lot of butter on it. It was rich. It dwelled in me richly. I'm being foolish, but that's what God's word should do. I hear garbage. I hear stuff. It, 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 it's filling my mind. I read the word of God. Oh, it's wonderful. Why? It's based upon a fact, not the opinion of factless, mindless people. Don't listen to them, folks. Don't listen to them. Get into the word of God. I got a clue for you. If you read it, we win. We do. We win. It doesn't matter what they do out there. We win. We'll forever be in the presence of the Lord. Be settled on that. Ephesians chapter 6, you use the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. You don't defend yourself with another text or tweet or whatever it may be. You defend yourself with the word of God. Let the mind of Christ dwell in you richly. So that you may be able to know what is the hope of his calling, you see. That's what Paul talked to the Ephesians, that you might be settled, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Recognize God's word and what it says. And all this stuff will just pale into insignificance when you're, when you're looking at God's word. Say, well, you sound pretty positive. I am, but I struggle the same as you. The same as you. I'm filled with the same things. Some of it is very, very difficult. Uh, and honestly, I don't know exactly what to do. Should we receive the vaccine? You don't know what's in it. Have you ever eaten a hot dog? They're good for you, and you don't know what's in them either. I'm being, being foolish, but you, you recognize? Are, are we afraid of everything? I heard someone say that uh, the mock of the beast was in the vaccine. What? Don't you know that the mark of the beast does not come to the middle of the tribulation period? And it's those who want to receive it, not those who they sneak it in with a vaccine. See, recognize what they're saying is totally opposite of what God's word says. It's totally contrary to what God's word says. Let me tell you this. Whether you receive the vaccine or not, that's between you and the Lord. You, you, you need to decide that. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to die one minute earlier or one minute later whether you receive it or not. That's the truth. It is appointed unto men, there's an appointment, once to die, and that's when God says so. But after that, the judgment. They will all give account with the things done in our body, whether they be good things or whether they were useless things. Wood, hay, and stubble blows along the top of the ground, 
of gold, silver, and precious stones, which is only found in the Word of God. Every one of us, every single one of us. And so when Peter tells these great saints of God, gird up the loins of your mind. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Why, they didn't have anything. They were, they were just scattered. They ran away. It'd be as if the police came in the door now and said, because you don't have your mask on, you need to go to Bolivia or something and live there. Well, I love Bolivia. I don't mind. Yeah, but everything's gone. Everything you own is gone. Everyone you know has been scattered abroad. Stand strong on the word of God. Stand strong on the word of God. A couple passages and we'll end. Head with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Are you ready for what might come? Are you ready for it? You can only be ready through the word of God. Through the word of God. You can't have enough paper towels and TP. You just can't. It doesn't matter. Well, it matters a little, obviously, but it, doesn't, it does not matter what this world does. It's what God says about the world. It's what God says about our ending. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Look, please, at verse 15. Verse 15. Sanctify. Set apart the Lord God in your hearts, your mind, your soul, all your thinking. Set him apart. That's where he belongs. He belongs up here. The computer's way down the list somewhere, way down there. What people say, way over there somewhere. They don't, then set God where he's supposed to be. Fixed upon his word. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always, always to give a defense for the hope that is in you. Be ready. Are you ready? If someone came at you with some of these foolish things, could you handle it? Can you handle it? Can you give them the word of God? Rightly divided in its context, correct? I don't know. God just loves me. Listen, that's what they say. That's, that's, those are the things they say. How many politicians have I heard say, God bless you and God bless the United States of America? And they believe in the slaughter of babies. Huh? What God are they praying to? Not my God. Not my God. But they say it, you see. And so when people come to us, don't give them your opinion. Your opinion is worthless unless it's based upon the word of God. It has to be fixed on that. It has to be the verse in its context, right where it belongs, the setting that God meant. God said what he meant and meant what he said. Don't try to fix it. Just keep it correct. Just tell them. Just tell them. Look at chapter 5 and verse 2. 5-2, please. Same section. Peter's talking to the elders. I mean, these people are having a hard time. And the elders there, they're, they're the ones that are supposed to so know the word of God that they're prepared with the word of God to refute the opposers. And we're the same way. Prepared, a ready mind. Look what he says. Feed the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit, I'm reading the wrong passage, verse 2, feed the flock of God uh, which is among you, taking the oversight of it, not for constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but here's what I'm interested in, of a ready mind. That's the mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. 
Make sure your mind is ready. One last passage, and we will end. Head with me to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. I just mentioned this, but I want you to see it because it's so important. Because around us are opposers to the word of God. You know that. This is an old story, but I pastored a church in Burlington, Massachusetts for seven years. It had a very large Christian school. And some of the young men and women, I, uh, I will also mention, some of the young men and women that came out of that school were outstanding people, and they still are to this very day. Brought up in Christian households, um, and, and they were great men of God because they loved the word of God. And some of them have called me, and we've talked at length. But what's interesting is they went away. They left the Christian school, and they went to college. And it was a college in the state of Massachusetts, and several of them, not just one, but several of them came back to me and said, Pastor Bill, you would not believe it. You would not believe it. These are, these are state colleges. Not only are they against Christianity, but they hate it. And the profs teach against it and say vile things about Christ. That can't be. I'm paying their salary. Not in Massachusetts, but you, you understand? They're, it, they're around us. They're, they're, it's all around us. It's immersed. Why? Because the devil offered Christ this world, didn't he? He owned it. Christ is the glory of it, and one day he'll come back and straighten it out. But right now, it's all in his hands. So what? Get ready for it. This shouldn't shock us. Isn't that what the scriptures say? These things came upon you. Don't think of them as some strange thing. God said it would happen. Just because we've been sitting in the lap of luxury for the past 200 years doesn't mean the rug wasn't going to be pulled. Get your kids ready. Get your family ready. You men, get your wife ready. Instead of her telling you, you tell her what God's word says. It's time to grow up. It's time to man up. It's time to recognize we're in difficult times, but God has an answer, doesn't he? And you know what's interesting? And I sound crabby, and I'm not. I'm well, maybe a little bit, but uh, there's such joy in knowing God's in charge, isn't it? If I was in charge, you'd have something to worry about. But God's in charge. God's in charge. If you do not memorize God's word, if you do not meditate upon God's word, if you do not put God's word to practice in your life, you will always, always be anxious and errant in your theology, and you'll never go above the first grade. Let's pray. Father, your word is strong, and I, I trust, Father, I have not exaggerated nor overemphasized that, but rather, Father, that each one of us would see that we're, we're, we're swimming in a sewer we're swimming in a day where things are very difficult, and yet, Lord, we know the end. We realize that, Father, you are sovereign, that you are in control, and that your word is the only thing that has stability. It's an anchor for the soul, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Father, forever your words are fixed in heaven, and that's where we'll be one day in your presence. So, Father, help us not to get caught up with the silliness of what's going on, the utter anxiousness of people 
but rather, Lord, help us to be that rock that can give an answer to every man that asks us a reason for the hope that's within us. Father, help us not to cower under pressure, but to stand strong in the word of God. Lord, help us to gird up the loins of our mind that we might stand strong, not on our opinion or our our thoughts or anything like that, but rather on the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.